The Wall Street Journal reports this morning that a new report ordered by Averill Haynes, Joe Biden's director of national intelligence, reveals that America's spy agencies are purchasing information on you and me, on American citizens. They're buying it from independent, for-profit data brokers who mine our credit card receipts, phone calls, smartwatches, automobiles, and location trackers. The Wall Street Journal writes that anyone can purchase this data, not just the American government. For example, depending on what you need, what kind of information you need, uh, you can buy information to find out whether or not to lend money or to rent you an apartment, or you can get information from these data miners uh, to discover whether or not someone would make a good husband. The individual data points might amount to nothing, but when pieced together properly, they can paint a picture that while it doesn't hold up in court, would be very embarrassing, very embarrassing, embarrassing enough to coerce someone into doing something they wouldn't normally do out of fear this information would come out. Compromise. It begs the question, begs several questions, one of which is why are America's spy agencies spying on American citizens? And with the billions we budget each year for 18 separate spy agencies, 18 separate spy agencies here in America that we know about, with all that money we spend on 18 separate spy agencies, why do we have to buy information from private vendors? Now, it's important to remember that our 18 spy agencies use outside contractors to do a lot of their administrative work, as well as spying. Never forget, never forget that when whistleblower Edward Snowden leaked classified material 10 years ago to the to the media he was working not for the government he was working for the private contractor booz allen hamilton which bloomberg calls quote the world's most profitable spy agency this is not a government agency this is a for-profit spy agency booz allen hamilton which Edward Snowden was working for when he leaked all that classified material. Booz Allen Hamilton is made up of former spies, ex-CIA agents. It does business, you would think, just with America, out of patriotism. No, it does business all around the world, working for American spy agencies, as well as spy agencies in the Middle East. And of course, they work for corporations. They're consultants. Hmm. I wonder what kind of consulting they do. I wonder what kind of information they can share with a Fortune 500 company. So what we have with our spy agencies is a revolving door. Spies, American spies or CIA employees who leave one of America's 18 spy agencies, doesn't have to be the CIA, they leave one of America's 18 spy agencies to go work for a subcontractor like Booz Allen Hamilton, 
And then they get hired back to work for the government, but they get paid a lot more as a subcontractor. It's why a lot of soldiers quit and go work for Eric Prince. You can make six figures as a gun for hire working for Eric Prince. So Eric Snowden, who's living in Russia these days, he left the CIA. He left the CIA to go work for Booz Allen Hamilton. He did this on purpose because he knew that it was the subcontracting work for Booz Allen Hamilton that would allow him to get his hands on documents proving that James Clapper, who had Averill Haynes's old job as director of national intelligence under President Obama, he got his hands on documents that proved James Clapper lied under oath before Congress when he testified that the NSA was not spying on Americans. Edward Snowden went to work for the private contractor Booz Allen Hamilton to get his hands on documents proving that the NSA is in fact spying on Americans with the help of our telecommunications companies. I've been indicted twice now in a couple of months. Yes, you have. Former President Donald Trump, you've been indicted twice. The most recent indictment is over over mishandling classified material. You're accused of violating the Espionage Act, the same thing that Edward Snowden is accused of, and it's why he's living in Russia. We will never know what classified material Donald Trump kept for himself. I like to think that our spy agencies knew enough not to let him see anything. And that's the problem. You see, whether I like it or not, Donald Trump was elected democratically. So he was elected. Our spy agencies are not. They answer to nobody. So we have a conundrum here in the United States. How do we keep a loose cannon, a guy like Donald Trump, from reclaiming the White House and then populating the 18 spy agencies under his command with toadies who will not just hand him, hand him over all the files he wants on his political enemies, they will also do some more spying on him as ordered. They will do some more spying for him as ordered. How do we stop a madman like Donald Trump from turning these spy agencies into his own little shop? How do we stop him from spying on American citizens, especially when our spy agencies are already spying on American citizens? So this indictment raises a lot of important questions about classified material and spying why do we have 18 separate spy agencies that we know about? Why does the Department of Energy have its own spy agency? Why does the Pentagon 
have its own spy agency? Isn't the whole idea of a CIA, wasn't the whole idea of the CIA to serve as a check on the military? The whole point of the CIA was to provide independent analysis to make sure the Pentagon sticks to what it does best, waging war. And why does the CIA have its own army? Why is the CIA these days under Joe Biden ordering and then performing armed drone strikes? They've taken that away from the military after the debacle in Afghanistan. Now it's the CIA doing the intelligence and the military strike. The CIA is supposed to provide actionable intelligence that our Defense Department is then supposed to use. We already saw what happens when the CIA runs its own military operations. We end up with fiascos like the Bay of Pigs. Speaking of pigs, Donald Trump should die in prison for mishandling classified documents. Absolutely. But when he was president, and this is the problem, when he was president, he was entitled to see everything. All the spy agencies are located inside the executive branch. He's the commander in chief. They answer to or they answered to Donald Trump. And I don't like the idea of individual leaders of our 18 spy agencies deciding by themselves whether or not they can trust the commander in chief. As I said earlier, I like to think that those classified documents Donald Trump was waving at the, those biographers from Mark Meadows at Bedminster, that they, they were garbage documents because our spy agencies knew enough not to give him anything important. But I don't like the idea of spy agencies deciding what our commander-in-chief can see and what he can't see. I don't like the idea of them withholding information from anyone, especially our duly, unfortunately, duly elected president. So the threat to America isn't that a sociopath like Donald Trump can get elected again as president and then get his hands on our spy agencies and use them to subjugate his enemies. Now, the threat to America is this tangled web of spy agencies acting under the cloak of secrecy off the books. We don't know who's paying them and why. They have hidden budgets. They're working with private subcontractors like Booz Allen Hamilton, working with and for them. We don't know what they're doing. That's the threat to our democracy, or at least what's left of it. I'm for a strong federal government, but I am for a pared down military and an even more pared down intelligence agency. It's too unwieldy. 18 intelligence agencies that we know of to justify their paychecks. They're doing way too much spying. Why are they purchasing data from data brokers? Why are they buying information on American citizens? You now, the heads of these agencies like to say, 
You'll never know the terrorists we stop. To which I say, you will never know the, ter the terrorists you've created. Every drone strike overseas, every time it succeeds, it always has some collateral damage that kills somebody's wife or baby. Now, you think you've killed a terrorist. You might have, but you've also given birth to five more. Maybe I'm wrong, but there's only one way to find out. Full transparency. We lost in Iraq. We lost in Afghanistan. We lost in Vietnam. Maybe the reason we have so many classified documents that nobody is allowed to see Maybe these documents are classified to keep secret the names of the American officials who are to blame for all this failure. Failure in Iraq, failure in Afghanistan, failure to keep us safe on 9-11, failure in Vietnam, failure that has cost millions and millions of lives and cost you and me trillions of dollars. No, I don't trust Donald Trump with classified material. I want him to die in prison. But in a democracy, we should be able to elect a buffoon for president because the president shouldn't be that important. He shouldn't have so many spy agencies at his disposal. Why is our government spying on all of us? Who is the government working for? And where does all that information end up? Those are some of the questions we should all ask ourselves while Donald Trump goes on trial for mishandling classified documents Here's hoping he dies in prison. Bad day for Donald Trump. Tuesday was a bad day for Donald Trump. I mean, besides the obvious, we'll get to that. In the E. Jean Carroll defamation trial, where a jury has already awarded her $5 million in damages, the judge ruled on Tuesday that lawyers for E. Jean Carroll can now amend their lawsuit and include comments Donald Trump made last month during a CNN town hall where Trump referred to E. Jean Carroll as a quote-unquote whack job, and he still insists he never met her. Trump is appealing the jury's decision that he sexually assaulted her and defamed her. Carroll's attorneys are expected to ask for more money. And more bad news for Trump. The new inflation numbers came out on Tuesday, and there's no question that inflation is cooling off. New inflation numbers say prices rose modestly in the past month, which may convince Fed Chair Jerome Powell to put a break on raising interest rates. The S&P and NASDAQ both hit 13-month highs on Tuesday in response to this inflation news. Donald Trump 
Tuesday morning, let's get to it, he woke up in his Doral Hotel in Miami and headed over to a federal court for his arraignment on 31 counts of violating the Espionage Act alone. The Doral, by the way, settled out of court recently with a visitor who said the bed bugs were so bad he ended up with welts, lumps, and marks over much of his face, neck, arms, and torso. Something to keep in mind if you're thinking of staying at Donald Trump's Doral in Florida. Since Trump purchased the Doral, Florida's health department has cited his kitchen for numerous violations, including cockroaches, flies, filthy appliances, and my favorite, cold shrimp, cheese, pork, fish, and eggs served at temperatures 20 degrees too warm. In other words, they they sold, they served cold shrimp, cheese, pork, fish, and eggs, and it's supposed to be cool so you don't get sick. And the health department says, uh, this is 20 uh, degrees too warm. Well, Trump's motor Cade pulled up at the Wilkie D. Ferguson Jr. U.S. Courthouse in Miami at around 2 p.m. Eastern Tuesday. Supporters greeted him in the 90-degree heat. Although Trump sent word uh, out through social media to his supporters, the army of MAGA supporters never really showed up. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, he's a Republican, was prepared for 50,000 Trump supporters, but it looks like a couple of hundred showed up. If that, not too many. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez has reportedly not decided yet as to whether or not he would run against Trump for the Republican presidential nomination. Miami Mayor Francis Suarez is thinking of running for president. He said he will be giving a big speech at the Reagan Library where he might reveal his intentions. So why would somebody you don't know, nobody knows who the mayor of Miami is, why why would he run for president? Nobody knows who he is. Well, the Miami Herald reported three days ago this, and this is why he's running. There are two separate federal investigations into South Florida developer Rishi Kapoor and his relationship with the mayor. Both the FBI and the SEC are looking into the permitting process for a $70 million Coconut Grove development that this developer, Kapoor, wanted to build. The SEC and the FBI separate investigations are looking into how uh, the permit process for the $70 million development related to the $10,000 a month the Miami mayor was paid by Kapoor as a consultant. I didn't know that the mayor of Miami can collect $10,000 a month as a consultant to a real estate developer, South Florida developer Rishi Kapoor. That is why he's running for president. He has to run for president because if you're a candidate for president, then you can't be accused by the FBI or the SEC 
of bribery or graft. Suddenly it's a witch hunt. It's politically motivated. It's the Biden administration going after his enemies. Trump taught the mayor this. And here's the mayor of Miami. Here he is. Francis Suarez. Uh, outside the, the courthouse being greeted. Here he is being greeted by voters Tuesday. Deep state swamp monster. If you're going to be indicted, run for president. Well, inside the courthouse while that was going on, Donald Trump at around 245 Eastern went before U.S. Magistrate Judge Jonathan Goodman. The case has been assigned, however, to Judge Eileen M. Cannon, who presided over the FBI search. It wasn't a raid. It was a search of the Mar-a-Lago estate. And she made several rulings that were favorable to Trump. They were eventually overruled by an appeals court. Judge Cannon was appointed by Donald Trump. Trump's attorney, Todd Blanche, entered a plea of not guilty as special counsel Jack Smith reportedly stared deep into Trump's eyes and not in the romantic way. The judge ordered Trump not to speak with any witnesses all in all, the hearing lasted less than an hour as Trump's motorcade left the courtroom. Well, a protester Trump jumped in front of his vehicle. But because this is America and it was an elderly gentleman dressed up as a he was in some prison garb. He, we, our police understand the importance of political theater and the First Amendment right to demonstrate. He jumped in, in front of the president's car. And so police, very gently respecting his First Amendment rights, wrestled this elderly gentleman to the ground. Four, four officers crushing his back with the knee, just to handcuff him, pressing his face against the cement. Isn't that wonderful? On his way home, Trump stopped off in Little Havana to eat at a restaurant called Versailles, where di uh, diners there sang happy birthday to him. On Wednesday, Trump turns 77. Hmm. While waiting for his food, religious leaders prayed for Trump. They put their hands on him, including several Orthodox rabbis who might want to take a break from reading the Torah and pick up a book on European history to gain a better appreciation of who exactly Donald Trump is and what his plans are for you and anyone else, not white, Christian, heterosexual, male, and born into wealth.
Earlier in the day, Florida Senator Marco Rubio pointed out that Donald Trump is going to have a hard time finding representation. He can't find lawyers. I mean, what lawyer licensed to practice in the Southern District of Florida works at a firm whose clients aren't going to complain if he signs up the president, can get the clearance to do a national security, and is actually a good lawyer. How hard is that going to be to find? Especially when you don't pay your lawyers. Everybody works for free. It's tough. It's tough. to You know, who would want to be Trump's lawyer? You get your reputation destroyed, and you don't get any money in return. And nobody knows this better than the flailing Alan Dershowitz who defended Trump during the first impeachment trial, he appeared on college dropout Charlie Kirk's radio show. And uh, Kirk talked about him yesterday. He runs Turning Points. It's uh, and, you know, he's a big supporter of Donald Trump. He recently called on all Republican presidential candidates to suspend their campaigns After Trump was indicted again, he said, suspend your campaigns and show up in Miami to lend moral support to Trump. It's uh, kind of weird using the word moral in the same sentence as Donald Trump. Uh, So Charlie Kirk thinks Donald Trump is innocent. But here is Jeffrey Epstein's old buddy, Alan Dershowitz. Harvard Law, Alan Dershowitz, telling Charlie something he didn't want to hear about Donald Trump. You have called on this program the most serious of all the potential indictments against Donald Trump. Do you still feel that way now actually reading the indictment itself? I do, especially the provision in which Donald Trump foolishly waved some paper in front of a reporter while he was being recorded by his own staff. And he said, I could have declassified this, but I didn't. So it's still secret. And it has to do with a battle attack plan for Iran. Uh, it's not a smoking gun, but it's surely a gun with Trump's fingerprint on it. Trump used to have another lawyer. His name was Bill Barr. Well, he was Trump's attorney general, but he pretty much acted as Donald Trump's personal personal injury attorney. He did things like rewrite the Mueller report to make it look like Donald Trump was exonerated by Mueller, which he wasn't in the second half of the Mueller report. Mueller outlines a pathway to prosecute Trump for covering up Russiagate. Read it. Well, Barr ended up resigning right after Trump lost. And he told the president he couldn't find any evidence of voter fraud During the January 6th hearings, his testimony was, I looked for evidence and all I found was, and I'm quoting the attorney general, bullshit. He said it was all bullshit. Here is former attorney general Bill Barr trying to reburnish his sullied image by going after Donald Trump a little too late. Here he is on Sunday also saying things that Donald Trump doesn't want to hear. I was shocked by the degree of sensitivity of these documents and how many there were, frankly. Okay, you were shocked, but what are there, like 31 counts that he violated the Espionage Act? Don't you think that's a little extreme? 
the government's agenda was to get those, uh, protect those documents and get them out. And I think it was perfectly appropriate to do that. It was the right thing to do. Uh, and I think the counts under the Espionage Act uh, that he willfully retained those documents are solid counts. Okay, so give it to me straight. How bad is this? If even half of it is true, then he's toast. I mean, it's a it's a pretty it's a very detailed indictment uh, and it's very, very damning. And, and this idea of presenting Trump as a victim here, a victim of a witch hunt uh, is ridiculous. Barr says Trump is toast and then Barr tried to eat him. Mr. Former twice indicted President Donald Trump. This vicious persecution. He calls it a vicious Persecution. What do you say, Bill Barr? He's not a victim here. He was totally wrong uh, that he had the right to have those documents. Those documents are among the most sensitive secrets that the country has. He, they have to be in the custody of the archivist. He had no right to maintain them and ret- retain them. And he kept them uh, in a way uh, at Mar-a-Lago that anyone who really cares about national security, would, their stomach would churn at it. Sensitive secret documents, the most sensitive and secret. You mean he had the Jeffrey Epstein files? He knew exactly how Jeffrey Epstein died. Is that what you're saying? Bill Barr? Well, Bill Barr isn't running for office, so he can speak freely. Mike Pompeo was thinking of running for president. Don't think that's going to happen. So having nothing to lose Here is Donald Trump's former CIA director, as well as his former secretary of state. Here's Mike Pompeo on Monday talking about Donald Trump's mishandling of classified material. First, um, if the allegations are true and there's lots of indications that they are, President Trump had classified documents where he shouldn't have had them. And then when given the opportunity to return them, he chose not to do that for whatever reason. That's just, Brian, you you talked about me having classified documents. I handled thousands and thousands of them over my time in Congress and then as a CIA director and secretary of state. Um, I suppose we can all make mistakes and get them to the wrong place. But when somebody identifies that, you got to turn them in. And so that's just that's inconsistent with protecting America's soldiers, sailors, airmen and Marines. And if the allegations are true, some of these were pretty serious, important documents. And so that's wrong. That's a Republican who's not running for office. They have a lot of courage when they're not running for office. But here is Republican Congressman Ken Buck. He represents Colorado and he's a member of the Freedom Caucus. He is a Republican and he's not a nice Republican. He's ultra right wing. He is a member of the Freedom Caucus. And this week he began to urge his fellow Freedom Caucus members to vote to vacate the chair, which means get rid of Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Tough guy. Ken Buck was asked, uh, I believe it was on CNN, what he thought of Trump's indictment. Now, you got to remember, Trump's chief of staff was Mark Meadows, one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus, Jim Jordan. Right? Jim Jordan one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus. Most of the members of Congress who asked for pardons after January 6th were members of the Freedom Caucus. They're big supporters of Donald Trump. Here is what the Freedom Caucus's Ken Buck said about the indictment. Would you feel comfortable with Donald Trump 
as president again? Well, I would not feel comfortable with a convicted felon in, in the White House. So we'll, we'll see how the, the place plays out, uh, the case plays out, and we'll see how uh, the evidence is presented and, and what the defenses uh, are. But let's just look at Donald Trump's words in 2016. He said that uh, Hillary Clinton was unfit for the White House because of the way she handled classified information. He said that she wasn't even qualified to have a low-level State Department job because of the way she handled uh, information. So I think his words have set the standard uh, that America will look at in determining whether he is fit for president. How come the left doesn't have people like this? Nikki Haley was Donald Trump's ambassador to the U.N. She's running for president against Donald Trump. Now, the rap against a lot of the candidates, all of the Republican candidates who are challenging Trump, the rap against them is they are too frightened to stand up to Donald Trump. But here is Nikki Haley. If this indictment is true, if what it says is actually the case. President Trump was incredibly reckless with our national security. More than that, I'm a military spouse. My husband's about to deploy this weekend. This puts all of our military men and women in danger. If you are going to talk about what our military is capable of or how we would go about invading or doing something with one of our enemies. And if that's the case, it's it's reckless. It's frustrating. And um, it causes problems. And, you know, we're looking now, this is the second indictment. We're looking at possibly a third indictment um, coming in with Georgia. Okay. So the follow-up question should be, your husband's about to be redeployed. Where is he going? And the answer is Africa, which begs the question, we have troops in Africa? Who are we fighting in Africa? Why don't we know about this? Is it classified? Who's our enemy in Africa? Why are we committing your husband, Nikki Haley? Why are we sending soldiers to Africa? Where was the declaration of war? But silly me, I still believe in the Constitution. New Jersey governor, former New Jersey governor, Chris Christie, was uh, he's running for president And he had a CNN town hall Monday night. He's running against Trump. And here's what he had to say about the indictment. His boxes. He wants his boxes near him. He flew the boxes up to New Jersey for summer vacation. What is this like? They're a family member. I mean, seriously, I got to have my boxes with me. And let me ask you a question. What exactly was he doing with them? Did someone remind him he's not the president anymore? You don't need these things anymore. This is vanity run amok, Anderson run amok, ego run amok. And he is now going to put this country through this when we didn't have to go through it. Everyone's blaming the prosecutors. He did it. It's his conduct. And Senator Tim Scott, who's also running for president, called his mishandling, Trump's mishandling of classified documents problematic. So a race is beginning to shape up. There are candidates who are beginning to criticize mine Fuhrer. And then there are people like her, Marjorie Taylor Greene. As the number of Trump critics grows inside the Republican Party, there are still the diehard supporters like his opening act. She opens for him at all the rallies. Here is Marjorie Taylor Greene from her congressional office responding to Donald Trump's arraignment on Tuesday. This is 
what she put out on social media. Here they are, the Biden administration, uh, arresting really their top political opponent and enemy. Uh, this is this is a communist country. We've been taken over. It's not the America that we all thought that we had. We're not a free country anymore. Notice that these Republicans always, whenever they talk about tyranny and totalitarianism, they always say it's communism. They never say fascism because they don't have a problem with that, with that variety of totalitarianism. They, they're fine with that. Communism is the problem, not fascism. This goes back to Charles Lindbergh. Well, the Georgia congresswoman then took to the floor of the House to show solidarity with Black Lives Matter. I couldn't believe this. Here she is calling for a congressional motion to defund the police. Today, I'd like to announce that I'm writing an appropriations rider to defund Jack Smith's special counsel, his office, and the investigation. This is a weaponized government attempt to take down the top political enemy and leading presidential candidate of the United States, Donald J. Trump. We cannot allow the government to be weaponized for political purposes. Yes, this is why Mayor Suarez of Miami has to run for president. It's, he didn't accept a bribe. The FBI and the SEC has been weaponized. When you're in trouble with the law, run for president. Senator Lindsey Graham is terrified that Donald Trump will out him. So he passionately stands by his man. But Lindsey likes to think he's principled. So he puts out tweets like this. This is how he plays verbal gymnastics in his own mind when he's defending Donald Trump. This is a tweet that Lindsey put out over the weekend. Most Republicans believe we live in a country where Hillary Clinton did similar things and nothing happened to her. Let me refresh your memory. Hillary Clinton ran for president in 2016. Uh, a lot of you have forgotten that. And so because she ran for president in 2016 and put some email on, on a, a private server and may have transmitted some classified documents accidentally, it's tantamount to treason, according to Republicans. That Hillary Clinton, look her up. She, uh, senator from New York. And this is the go-to talking point. What about Hillary? What about Hillary? So see what, this is how Lindsay sleeps at night and a quart of Jack Daniels. Most Republicans believe we live in a country. See, he's not saying it. He's just reporting what most Republicans believe. He's got too much dignity to, to say that, but he's just saying that this is what most Republicans believe. See, Lindsey's a lawyer, and as a lawyer, he feels this is how he sleeps at night, along with a bottle of Jack Daniels. Uh, he, he feels, as a lawyer, it is my job to make the Republican case for the Republican voter. I'm the Republican voter's advocate. Whether or not I truly believe this doesn't matter. This is how people like Lindsey Graham, justify their heinous behavior. 
in their mind, or at least this is how they rationalize having uh, Charles Manson as the client, everyone deserves an advocate. And, and Lindsey convinces himself, even Donald Trump deserves an advocate when you take your case before the court of public opinion. Here is a clearly hungover Lindsey Graham. Uh, something, something, he's going to mention Hillary Clinton. And again, if you forgot, Hillary Clinton ran for president in 2016. And because she might have mishandled some classified material on a private email server, Donald Trump should skate. Donald Trump has said repeatedly, repeatedly that he did nothing wrong. Do you believe that? We live in an America where if you're the Democratic candidate for president, Hillary Clinton, secretary of state, you can set up a private server in your basement to conduct government business. And when an investigation is had about your activity. No, let me finish. But you didn't answer the question. That was ridiculous. Well, yeah, I'm trying to answer the question from a Republican point of view. That may not be acceptable on this show. See what he's doing? I'm trying to represent uh, the position from a Republican point of view. I'm advocating. I may not believe what I'm saying. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. He was a JAG officer. And uh, I'm a lawyer. So I'm just representing what the Republican people believe. Uh, do you think he's hungover? You think he's hungover? No, let me finish. Okay. Uh, let me finish. Finish what you were saying or that bottle of tequila between your legs. John Brennan was Obama's CIA director. Which is why I just find it so, so disheartening. And, and it makes me angry when I hear people like Lindsey Graham make excuses and apologies for Donald Trump. Those are the words of a spineless coward, quite frankly, who is frightened by Donald Trump and frightened by those individuals who still cling to this image of Donald Trump as being this very you know, strong uh, leader, which he is, is not. Okay. Here is Senator Ron Johnson, Republican from Wisconsin, who Married into wealth. You know, President Ford decided it was best for America not to pursue prosecution against President Nixon. President Trump pretty much made the same decision, decided not to pursue any kind of prosecution of Hillary Clinton. No. FBI Director James Comey decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton because it's not up to presidents whether or not to prosecute this is a problem. Our Justice Department is in the executive branch, but there's a wall between the Justice Department and the Oval Office. And the Republicans have come up with this new narrative that the president of the United States, besides being the commander in chief, is also the chief law enforcer. This is the mind of a fascist. So according to Ron Johnson and all the Republicans, it's up to Joe Biden whether or not Merrick Garland and the special counsel Jack Smith prosecute Trump. No, the president of the United States is not the, the chief law enforcement agent. If you're a fascist, that's what you want. And this is why the Justice Department and the FBI have to be moved out of the executive branch. 
You know, Joe Biden could have made the exact same decision, but he didn't. He allowed a SWAT raid on a very secure residence of President Trump uh, over federal records, even though he was holding classified records himself. Okay. First of all, it wasn't a SWAT raid. The FBI had a warrant. Trump and his lawyers were alerted. That's why they moved the boxes. It wasn't a raid. Biden inadvertently took classified documents home with them, same way Mike Pence did. And when they were told those documents are classified, they immediately returned them. Trump, as the indictment so reads, continued to hide these classified documents from the Justice Department. Again, this narrative that Trump that Biden has the power over the Justice Department to decide whether or not to prosecute Donald Trump. It's a very dangerous narrative. It convinces Americans. It normalizes the idea that the president of the United States is the chief law enforcement agent in America. Very dangerous. And this is what the Republicans want because they're fascists. Well, here is lapdog Jim Jordan. He's Donald Trump's lapdog. He's currently the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. He's one of the founders of the Freedom Caucus. He would be attacking Kevin McCarthy, but Kevin McCarthy bought him off with the chairmanship of the House Judiciary Committee. Now, in the indictment, Trump is on tape waving a classified document saying he didn't declassify it. He said, I could have, I didn't, so I shouldn't be showing this to you. It's on tape in the indictment. But Jim Jordan doesn't care what the facts are. He says that Trump declassified it, even though Donald Trump said he didn't. Here he is Sunday uh, on CNN with Dana Bash. In this indictment, he states in, on at least one occasion that he did not declassify the information. When he's showing a document uh, to somebody who doesn't have a security clearance, I might add, he says explicitly that it is classified. He didn't declassify it. Dana, he has said time and time again he's declassified all this material. This is this is the most political thing. I. Yeah, this is the most political thing. This is why politicians should not be. Uh, on live television, they should be grilled on tape and you stop and start and you Google things and you catch them in their lies. He just knows how to play out the clock on live television. You're not performing a public service when you interview somebody like Jim Jordan live on a Sunday morning show. He knows how not to answer a question. But if you if you tape the interview and say to him, I'll be here all day until you answer my question. But that requires actual journalism. Although Dana Bash is pretty great. So uh, I'm not criticizing Dana Bash. And I actually saw Anderson Cooper today, and he was, maybe he's licked free. Maybe they're, maybe they're great because they're licked free. Uh, okay, more of Jim Jordan. Okay, this is a very detailed indictment. A couple of things that you just said. Uh, number one, the Secret Service, uh, they are charged with protecting the president. They didn't even know, according to the indictment, that 
those documents were there. So that's, that wasn't their job. Number two, do you have evidence that the president, uh, when he was president, now former president, actually declassified these documents before he took them? I go on the president's word, and he said he did. And the Supreme Court said that's what counts. Okay, two things here. I go on the president's word, and he said he did. This is the same president who told 50,000 lies when he was president, according to the Washington Post. That's the first thing. And then uh, Jim Jordan obfuscates and talks about the the the, uh, Supreme Court. Uh, and tries to confuse the viewers. Well, oh, there's a Supreme Court ruling. Look, you cannot, if you're president of the United States, you cannot stand in front of classified documents, whip out your magic wand and say, illy meeny, chili beanie, <laughs> these documents are now declassified. There are procedures. You, you, you have to take, if you want to declassify a classified document, you find out which agency... What, under which per, under the purview of which agency, spy agency, uh, the, the document belongs to. And then, and this is from an executive order from a few years back, the president then has to go to the head of the agency as the president, and they have to fill out forms and explain why these documents are declassified. The president of the United States just can't willy-nilly declassify a document. Now, Once again, Jim Jordan is a liar, a deceitful, pathological liar who takes a germ of information and then twists it. And what he is doing here is he's taking a Supreme Court ruling and misrepresenting the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled that a president has some liberty when it comes to declassifying personal documents, like his own records for his library, like his notes, uh, you know, uh, the dictaphone, uh, emails. uh, But government documents, this is what the Supreme Court ruled, government documents, if he wants to declassify government documents in the ruling that Jim Jordan cites, the Supreme Court says the president has to follow the proper Procedures, you just can't whip out your magic declassifier wand. I'm not doing a good job explaining this. So here is former Attorney General Bill Barr explaining the Supreme Court ruling that Republicans are twisting into an erroneous talking point. Here is Bill Barr explaining why Jim Jordan is a pathological liar. This idea that 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 uh, the president has complete authority to declare any document personal is is obvious. It's facially ridiculous. That opinion had to do with the distinction between official records, which are records prepared by government agencies for the purpose of government action and personal documents as opposed to official documents, which are things prepared by the president, such as a diary or notes, which are not used in the government's uh, deliberations. And yes, as to the second class, stuff that the president himself generates, the president has some discretion. But these are official documents. It's inarguable. The president's daily brief 
provided by the intelligence community is not Donald J. Trump's personal document, period. You see, this is what's wrong with journalism and live television, although I'm doing this live right now. Everybody thinks, oh, if I can just get access to the people in charge, that's news. No, when you get access to the people in charge, they're in charge because they're really good at keeping secrets. Jim Jordan is really good at running out the clock, at lying. Real journalism is reporting what these people say and then fact-checking them. Reporting isn't interviewing people in charge. Real reporting is, I'm going to say this again, reporting what the people in charge say and then go out and prove they're liars. You're never going to catch them in a lie, especially on live television. They, they have coaches. They've been trained to play out the clock. Watching live Sunday morning shows is an exercise in futility. It really is. It, it's just to test these politicians to see how they hold up under pressure. But you learn nothing. You just hear spin and lies. Well, that's the argument. That is the argument. That's the defense and the accusation. People are accusing Donald Trump of mishandling classified material. There are some Republicans who aren't running for office who say if the indictment holds up, this is pretty bad. There are some Republicans who are saying that, including some Republican presidential candidates. And then there are the lapdogs, the people like Jim Jordan, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who are handed talking points and go out there and fight for the president. They try to sway the court of public opinion. And then there are people like Freedom Caucus member Andy Biggs, who was instrumental in the lead up to the January 6th insurrection, which is why he had to ask Donald Trump for a pardon after January 6th. And uh, Andy Biggs, he doesn't believe in taking the argument before the American people. Andy Biggs tweets, we have now reached a war phase, eye for an eye. He then walked it back. He got scared. And then there's Louisiana madman Clay Higgins. And he tweeted, President Trump says he has been summoned to appear at the federal courthouse in Miami on Tuesday at 3 p.m. He goes on to write, this is a perimeter probe from the oppressors. Hold our POTUS has this. Hold our POTUS has this. Buckle up. 150K, know your bridges, rock steady, calm. That is all. Uh, it's QAnon speak. It's phony militaries. It's saying, get out your guns. There's going to be a uh, revolution. This is uh, Clay Higgins. He's a became a congressman because he couldn't be a police officer anymore because he kept beating up black suspects who were handcuffed. Bad guy, Clay Higgins. I think he's married four times. 
Not sure. Carrie Lake lost the race for governor of Arizona. She says she didn't. And she was there in Miami on Tuesday with the other idiots in 90 degree heat, showing solidarity with the president who couldn't give a shit about anybody, including Carrie Lake. She, but she stood in front of the, the courtroom, you know, the courthouse on Tuesday. Look at me. I'm Carrie Lake. Here she is wanting to remain relevant. Here she is speaking over the weekend at a convention for Georgia Republicans. Here she is fighting for Donald Trump. I have a message tonight for Merrick Garland and Jack Smith and Joe Biden and the guys back there in the fake news media. You should listen up as well. This one's for you. If you want to get to President Trump, you're going to have to go through me and you're going to have to go through 75 million Americans just like me. And I'm going to tell you, yep, most of us That's not a threat. That's a public service announcement. The guns. The guns. The guns. So, Donald Trump. He's running from the law and for president. He's leading in the polls this latest indictment. It might, it might go to trial this year. Doubtful. There, there's talk that... Judge Cannon could expedite this trial. These things take more than a year to go to trial. He has a trial in Manhattan. Alvin Bragg's case against him is scheduled for March of 2024, right after Super Tuesday. Then there's the Fulton County DA who could indict Donald Trump in August for trying to throw the election in Georgia. And then there's the civil trial filed by New York State Attorney General Letitia James, over Trump lying on his loans and his taxes. And then there's Jack Smith, the special counsel, who hasn't yet handed down the other indictments, like an indictment for the role Trump played in January 6th, or an indictment for Trump trying to overturn the 2020 presidential election. And don't forget the E. Jean Carroll defamation lawsuit now getting a second wind. And then there are all these other civil lawsuits from victims of January 6th. Here's the polling. This is the real clear politics election averages. Kind of interesting. Nationally, Trump has 52% of Republicans voting for him. DeSantis has 22 percent. Pence has 4.7. Nikki Haley, 3.3. What's most important is Iowa. That's what kickstarts a campaign. Trump is leading in Iowa with 40, was that 46 percent? DeSantis has 24.7. Nikki Haley, 4.7. Mike Pence, 3.7. And in New Hampshire, Trump has 41 percent. DeSantis has 23%. Sununu, who's not running, has 14.3%. Governor of New Hampshire, favorite son. And Ramaswamy has 4%, but he's probably going to drop out. Well, somebody who's not showing up in the polls quite yet is Chris Christie. 
Now, Howie Klein and I were talking about this on Monday's show. In order to participate in the debates come August, the Republican Party says we will not allow you on the stage unless you promise to support whomever ends up getting the nomination. Donald Trump has not sworn the oath to support whoever gets the nomination so he can't participate in the debate. Chris Christie has gone on record saying there is no way I will vote or support Donald Trump if he gets the nomination. And yet he lied and said, I will support him. He's, he's said openly, I lied in order to get on the debate stage in August. Now, he's not polling quite yet, so he may not have the, the poll numbers to get onto that stage. I said to Howie, Donald Trump is going to lie. He, he, he needs the fight. He's all alone. All he's got are his rallies and the, the arena, the debate stage. And here is Chris Christie kind of agreeing with me during Monday night's town hall on CNN with Anderson Cooper. Loser, loser, loser. I'm sorry, that was him saying hello to the audience. <laughs> I played the wrong clip. That's just, <laughs> let me play that again. That's Chris Christie. He's tough. He's from New Jersey. This is him just doing some crowd work. Loser, loser, loser. <laughs> That's how I do stand up. Here, <laughs> here is Chris Christie being asked if he thinks Trump will be there for the first debate. Do you think he'll show up you to bet, those early you debates? Bet he, you bet he will. His ego will not be able to stop him. Or if he skips the first one, that'll be fine. Let him skip the first one. That'll give me absolute free, free lane. We'll do that once, Anderson. He'll be at the second one. Now, I hate Chris Christie. He's just a bully. And uh, I don't agree with anything he says. However, he's kind of interesting. He's going to make, look, the, the world is on fire. There's climate change. There's an eviction crisis. Our, we have fascists who are running the Republican Party. But just in terms of entertainment, Chris Christie is going to make the, the first act of the presidential race really interesting because he's willing to take on Donald Trump. And what's going to be interesting is he's pretty, Chris Christie, he's pretty media savvy. He's been on ABC for the past couple of years and he prepped Donald Trump for the 2020 debate. So here he is talking about how he's going to take on Donald Trump. And what's really interesting is he's just as arrogant as Donald Trump. And one of these two is going to fall, which will be nice. It'll be nice to see Chris Christie humiliated. Nice to see Donald Trump humiliated. Nice to see both of them humiliated. We cannot let that happen this time, and I will not let it happen this time. I'm going to take him on directly, and not because I don't like him. I'm going to take him on directly because he's the, the leader. 
Like, how do you, I, I just want to understand the other candidates who won't even mention his name. I watched that Joni Ernst roast and ride thing. It was like he was Voldemort from Harry Potter. Like nobody wanted to mention his name. You know, you know, someone who's leading backwards and looking backwards. Like, say his name, man, say his name, right? I mean, how do you beat someone if you won't talk about them? How do you beat them if you won't distinguish yourself from them? He's making it interesting. He really is. And he insists he's not afraid of Donald Trump yet. They're afraid of him. Look what he does. Right. I got a nickname now. I never got one all through 16. I got one now, which is really nice. Uh, makes me feel even more important. He got a nickname. Donald Trump gave him a nickname. I, I don't know what the nickname is. Does anybody know what the nickname is? Donald Trump gave. He calls Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious. And he has a nickname for uh, Chris Christian. Anybody have an idea? What? uh Donald Trump's nickname would be for Chris Christie? I have no idea. No idea whatsoever what Donald Trump's nickname for Chris Christie is going to be. I've known him for 22 years. The only thing he understands is force. The only thing he understands is coming right at him and making your case. Mm -hmm. He hasn't won a damn thing since 2016. Three-time loser. 2018, we lost the House. 2020, we lost the White House. We lost the United States Senate a couple of weeks later in 2021. And in 2022, we lost two more governorships, another Senate seat, and barely took the House of Representatives when Joe Biden had the most incompetent first two years I've ever seen in my life. Loser, loser, loser. <laughs> Now we're getting going, it'll be different this time. Why? Why will it be different this time? Those arguments need to be made, and I'm not afraid to make them for two reasons. One, I'm not afraid of him. And two, it's the truth. Right. Why does he have to interrupt? His, he was doing really great, and then he has to turn on the crowd. Loser, loser, <laughs> loser. Why? These are nice people, Chris Christie. They showed up to support you, and you have to say, loser, <laughs> loser, loser. Well, anyway, uh, it's he's going to make for, he's going to make this an interesting race because if he falls, it will be fun to watch him fall. If Trump falls, be fun to watch Trump fall. Uh, we'll we'll follow this, of course. We're in the middle of a national emergency for the LGBTQ community. So it's important that you support the LGBTQ community. If you know anybody who is alone, I strongly urge you to call them and reach out, find out how they're doing. Something like 75 laws have been passed in state legislatures targeting this year, 75 state uh, legislatures have passed anti-trans laws, uh, bills targeting drag queens in the LGBTQ community. They are coming. Republicans are coming for the LGBTQ community because they offer voters nothing other than hate. And before I go, I want to give a shout out to Garth Brooks. I'm not a 
country music person, but uh, he owns a bar in Nashville and he's still serving Bud Light. And he says, uh, I don't care what the boycott is. People have a f have the right to love any way they want. So uh, if you drink beer, buy Bud Light and support Garth Brooks. I'm David Feldman reminding you to stay strong and protect the weak. Silvio Berlusconi, the right wing media magnate who served as Italy's prime minister for three times, three separate terms, is dead from leukemia at the age of 86. Open Society Foundations, the charitable group run by 92-year-old George Soros, has been handed over to his son, Andrew. Andrew promises to continue his father's program of providing financial support to progressive causes and politicians as well as keeping Jewish space lasers focused on Canadian wildfires. According to new data, the 20 countries in Europe that use the euro dipped into recession earlier this year. Europe as a whole is not in a recession, but countries like Germany, the fourth largest economy in the world, as well as Greece and Ireland, all entered a recession this year after experiencing two back-to-back quarterly slowdowns in their GDP. New York City's first female police commissioner, Keechan Sewell, has resigned after a year and a half on the job. Despite popular perceptions, the crime rate in New York City declined under her stewardship. The Federal Trade Commission has filed a restraining order to block Microsoft's nearly $70 billion purchase of gaming giant Activision, which some say would give Microsoft a significant lead in the burgeoning business of virtual reality. The European Union approved the merger. Great Britain rejected it, but Microsoft is appealing that decision. After Donald Trump's most recent indictment, the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal asked in an editorial this question, do prosecutors understand the forces they are unleashing? The Rupert Murdoch-owned newspaper goes on to write, however cavalier Trump was with his classified files, he did not accept a bribe or betray secrets to Russia, unquote. It's nice that uh, the Wall Street Journal knows something the rest of us don't. Meanwhile, the mayor of Miami is asking protesters to remain peaceful on Tuesday when Donald Trump appears inside a federal courtroom for his 37 count indictment. Three quarters of Republicans in a new poll say special counsel Jack Smith's indictment of Trump is purely political. But cracks are showing in the Republican Party. Republican Tim Scott, who's running for the nomination, calls the indictment a serious case with serious allegations. Nikki Haley, Trump's ambassador to the U.N. and currently running for the Republican nomination, called Trump's handling of the documents reckless. But Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy told reporters today that storing classified documents in a Mar-a-Lago bathroom is perfectly fine. He says the door had a lock. I wish I were making that up. That is what Speaker McCarthy said. Meanwhile, Harry Klein running over it down with tyranny says new polling coming out of Iowa shows Donald Trump with a staggering lead over his nearest competitor, 
Ron DeSantis, it's a lead of more than 20 points. And Howie says national polls show Trump leads DeSantis by more than double. Joining us in Los Angeles is Howie Klein, the founder, treasurer of the Blue America Pack. And of course, he writes down with tyranny, which everybody should read. Hello, Howie. Hi, there, there was there was something I wanted to comment about in your news report. Okay. Fact, there were a few things, but I can't remember. I can't remember most of them. But I do remember one when you thanked the Wall Street Journal for that inside information about Trump not selling any secrets to Russia. I, I think the Wall Street Journal is right. I think he sold secrets to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> now, he may have sold them to other places as well. But, but I, there's no doubt in my mind whatsoever, no doubt that he sold secrets. Go on. And I don't mean that he, he meant to sell secrets or he was going to sell secrets. I'm sure that he did sell secrets. And, you know, the $2 billion that the Saudis gave Jared Kushner to invest, which comes to his, his um, stake in that, is $25 million a year, not counting profits. That's just, just the interest, basically, um, or the, or the, the um, you know, the amount they pay him to, to handle the money. Why did they give it to him? He, he certainly doesn't know anything about it. He never invested. Uh, he was never a hedge fund investor or anything like that. Uh, and that, in my mind, was, was uh, you know, Trump making a deal. I, there's no doubt in my mind that Trump, uh, you know, what, why did he steal some very, very specific uh, pieces of intelligence and, and, and then refuse to give it back? And it was, of course, it was, it was to sell it. I, I have a, a post up about it uh, at Down With Tyranny that people should read. It's really good. And I, uh, I found uh, something that was written in the New York Review of Books by Fintan O'Toole, which was also excellent. But, okay. uh, I, you know, when I started saying a, a, a month or two ago that Trump sold documents and that's why he stole them, uh, people thought I was busy. And now it's, it's more and, coming up more and more. And I'm looking forward to the day, and which will probably be months from now, that the Wall Street Journal says it as well. And that maybe they'll say, at least he didn't sell them to Russia. <laughs> Do you think we'll have a trial before tr the end of 2023? I have, I've heard that it is conceivable that this trial could be expedited before the one in Manhattan. Is that what you're hearing? You know, we're better off if it's not. Because, uh, I mean, what they should do is expedite the one in Manhattan because when he's sentenced, I realize that um, if you're a first time, if you haven't been convicted before, you get a lot less time. So if he's convicted in New York and then he's sentenced in the uh, federal case, he'll get a considerably more time. Like, like more like, uh, you know, I don't know, between if he's not, if he's not a, he's a career, we know he's a career criminal, but if he hasn't been sentenced to something before, he'll get between 17 and 22 years. If he has been sentenced before, he'll get more than 22 years. So I would like that to happen. Although I don't see him really living more than 22 years anyway. Do you? Yeah, well, who knows? I mean, he's indefatigable. So does he need to keep classified documents to sell secrets to the Saudi Arabians? I mean, can't he just tell them the secrets without producing a paper trail? Isn't that his secret that he well, doesn't he doesn't use email? He writes nothing down. Why would he keep documents? Can't they just take him at his word? No, because there were there were, you know, very, very specific things 
you know, for example, lists of names of um, Saudi agents that the CIA and the FBI were paying to spy. So, so there was, and, and, you know, Russians and Chinese and Israelis and everybody who we pay to spy, he's got their names. What, what is he supposed to remember that? And then he barely that, remembers the name of the cabinet members. And that would compromise their lives. The, right, which happened once before uh, in Russia where, uh, you know, there was some kind of a leak, which I saw at the time came from him, uh, and uh, dozens of uh, Russians who were working for the CIA were killed. Okay, but my reading, and this is just from reading, is that no, <laughs> nobody has, when he was president, nobody really obeyed his orders. They knew, and they knew to kind of keep things away from him. We knew he was flushing documents down the toilet and clogging the, the plumbing. So isn't it fair to say that they were pretty careful not to tell him uh, important stuff? Some important stuff. But he also had people working for him who were bad guys. So, right. you know, there were some who, who, you know, tried to keep uh, important stuff away from him, and, and they did as much as they could. And then there were others like uh, – What's his name? That monster from uh, Santa Monica. I forgot his name. Oh, Stephen Miller. Stephen Miller. Right. And by the end, he was running the show, and he was getting Trump everything he needed. I mean, there is that those boxes are not a random bunch of, of junk. There's, uh, you know, the, although there are some mementos that he wanted to take, but that's that doesn't mean anything. There are boxes full of very, very, very targeted, highly classified. Uh, documents, including, by the way, documents that will never come out in court, that will never be discussed in court because they're too um, uh, they're, they're they're too classified. So some of the best stuff that you know could hopefully, I wish, get him uh, in front of a firing squad. That's the kind of stuff that's not going to be uh, available in in court. There'll be a special master, I assume, who's appointed. I hope so. I hope so. But the thing is, is that. In order to use that, they can use that stuff. They can't use this stuff for the jury, so it's not going to really do any good. So, what's the, the special master going to do? Uh, I don't know how that works. I'm not a lawyer, uh, and you know, you could say, well, you know, they could get they could the special master could tell the judge, or they could even show the stuff to the judge, but not this judge. Right. All right. So let me push back just a little because I've said some things on this show, and maybe I'm just trying to be too cool for school uh, on Trump. But is it fair to say that we overclassify documents in the military? That there's well, a, maybe. That there's a self-importance that the CIA has and the NSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I the, agree. And but that, that doesn't mean that there's not some stuff that needs to be classified. And he got his hands on it. So stuff, in other words, some stuff they classify that doesn't need to be classified. No doubt about it. But, you know, nuclear secrets... The, the U.S. attack plans uh, uh, for various countries, I mean, those need, do need to be classified, and he got those things. Yeah, but— Names of, of, of agents, you know, the, you know the, the, that jeopardizes their lives. Right. He got that. So but, there are things that he got hands on that, uh, that, are, that are very unfortunate. Okay. But before we move and on— they, Go ahead. My dream is that they they, uh, they put him in front of a firing squad. That's what I want more than anything. I I, I, I will feel that I had a good life if that happened. <laughs> okay. What happens if 
uh, first of all, he's is he going to get a mug shot on Tuesday? Is he going to be fingerprinted? And he's got to post bail. I mean, is it conceivable that he has to drop out of the race, even though he says no? No, it's not conceivable that he has to drop out of the race. Uh, I don't think that he's going to make him post bail. Uh, I, I wish they would take away his uh, the key to his plane and his uh, passport. But right. yes, he'll have to be fingerprinted, and they will photograph him. Uh, but they did that last time as well. It's not like you know some you know mugshot you know face on and then face right and face left. That's not going to happen. But yeah, I mean you know he will he will he's being arraigned. He, that will all, all that kind of stuff is going to happen. Right. And, and in terms of bail, I cannot imagine that they're going to make a postpone. I mean, it just, right. It's just inconceivable to me. Right. You're, you're moving away from the phone. So if I could just get your, you, you were sounding really great. And now you're, it sounds like you're, you're preparing dinner. What are you making? I'm not, I'm not making dinner. I'm, I'm, I'm uh, fasting today. I was just, uh, what I was doing was taking my vitamins. Oh, okay. Uh, so let's talk about the polls. What has to happen for Republican voters to turn on Trump, not get indicted again? What, what has to happen for them to, to not trust him? Well, it's not going to be Republican voters. In other words, you, you, you know, it's slowly but surely, his very, very slowly, his base is, is shrinking so they're not the uh, as a body. Republican voters aren't going to turn on him, but now there are uh, thirty-five or so percent of Republican voters who now say they believe the indictment or the indictment is fair and serious. So yeah, slowly, 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 some are weaning away from him. The rest that are in there, that sixty or so percent, n- nothing. There's nothing he can do. Um, you know, he would have to say to them, "I've been lying to you all along." Uh, you know, something like that to, to get him away. They don't care. They don't care about anything that we care about. They and, are as bad as they're worse than him. And talk to me about the cal- yeah. talk, talk to me about the calendar. August is the first debate. He says he doesn't want to lower himself and debate DeSantis <laughs> and Tim Scott and Nikki Haley and Chris Christie. But he's an attention whore and he lives for the fight. Can he resist the debates. Well, can he can he even be allowed to be in the debates? You have to you have to sign a pledge, a real pledge that says that you will uh, support right. the ultimate winner. Right. And he he's not that. Right. But I mean, unless he, unless he does it with his fingers crossed, I don't know. <laughs> so so there's so you don't think he? Uh, I mean, Chris Christie says. He will not support Trump if he's the nominee, but he lied right. like a good Republican to get into the debate. So all Trump has to do is. I don't think he can resist the fight. I think he lives. He's a performer. If he has no yeah, audience. So he, he, he can he can perform. He can, uh, you know, get time on Fox. Oh, no, this is a Fox thing, right? He can get time on CNN or time on some other network and uh, do his own thing at the same time that they're doing their thing. But isn't his pathology being the bullfighter going in for the kill and making people? How about about destroying their whole event? That's him. I think he will get off on destroying Chris Christie and uh, and Nikki Haley. 
But I, I don't think he's going to debate the first time. He'll he'll debate other times, but I don't think he's going to debate the first time. But I could be wrong. I also heard today, and you may have as well, that that uh, freaky guy uh, Ramaswamy is going to uh, is going to drop out uh, tonight or tomorrow and endorse Trump. Okay. Uh, yeah. You weren't worried about him. I wasn't worried about him. What I'm worried about is Joe Biden not being able to debate Trump in the general election because he wasn't sharpened by debating Marion Williamson and RFK Jr. Shouldn't Joe Biden, for the good of his own campaign, debate these two? Oh, I think he should, yeah. But he won't. Apparently, he's he's been saying that he won't, or his campaign is saying that he won't. But I think that that's a mistake on, on a lot of levels. You know, uh, Marianne is a very, very good debater. I don't know what, I mean, RFK, I mean, it's a psychopath, and I don't know why anyone would debate him. But uh, Marianne is a really, really good debater. And uh, it, it, he, he, he'd, be, he'd be better off practicing with her. But right. I guess he figures she's so part of the left that uh, it's not real practice. Yeah. Um, and he'll have people to practice. You know, someone will play Trump uh, in a debate with him, something like that. The polling, you know, do you know uh, I keep thinking Trump is funny. I keep thinking of Joe Biden as a disappointment because he's not Bernie. But in the back of my mind, I think he has a legislative record he can run on now. None of it is enough. If you're a low information Democratic voter, you think Joe Biden is the second coming of FDR. So I haven't been too worried about his second term, at least winning the second term. But I'm looking at polling now. He's underwater. His approval rating is underwater. DeSantis beats him. And now Trump is beating him. Really? I just saw Trump beat him in one outlier poll. So you, you don't worry that Biden could end up losing? Not to Trump. Not to Trump. OK, let's right. talk about Silvio Berlusconi, uh, a, a precursor of Donald Trump, media magnet. He actually had money, unlike Trump, a, a right wing force is the... Uh, has the fever broken in Europe when it comes to fascism, authoritarianism? I know Italy just elected a fascist, but she's uh, maybe not as the, the party has its roots in Mussolini. But has the fever broken in Europe? The fascist. Wow, well, I, I don't know why you would even ask that. No. I mean, look at that. The Nazi party in Germany is way up more than they've ever been before. So, what, I mean, what makes you ask if, if the people uh, is broken? I don't, I, don't, I don't know where it's coming from. I just wanted to get your take because you've been writing about Hitler and the Nazis and Trump being the Nazis. And I've been reading about the polling in the lead up to World War I, uh, World War II here in the United States. The question asked of Americans in, in the late 30s and right before Pearl Harbor Gallup used to say, what do you prefer, communism or fascism? Because that was a choice in the 30s. And Americans, by a significant margin, preferred fascism to communism. 
And there was a significant, they were not, there was a small segment of our country, as you know, and you write about, who preferred fascism to whatever system of government we had going at the time. So there are fascistic strains that go deep into our, our roots, aren't there? Yes. I mean, you know, the Know Nothing movement and now the MAGA movement, those are authoritarian fascist movements. Absolutely. But do they so, know yes. Do they know they're fascists? Are they gaslighting themselves when yes, they... they're gaslighting themselves. And they call and they call normal Americans fascists. It's funny, right? I mean, they don't. I don't think they even most of them don't know what a fascist is, and they don't know that they're fascists themselves. And uh, you know, what are you going to say? Right. Who knows that they're a fascist? DeSantis. Does DeSantis know he's a fascist? No, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I don't. I never met him or spoke to him. But my guess is that he does not think of himself as a fascist. I also think that he probably thinks he's putting his, his, that what he's doing is mostly an act. Um, you know, his people, I think we talked about this last week, his people told a bunch of uh, big donors in Miami a couple of weeks ago that he's going to move to the center once he beats Trump, that this isn't the real him. This is just to win the uh, primary. He's got to he's got to be this way. They've also told migrants in Florida not to leave the state, ignore the laws that we just passed, uh, terrorizing you. It's just political. It's just there to scare you, but we really don't mean it. That, <laughs> that, How about the ones they're shipping around the country? Yeah. Uh, what What's the best thing that can come out of this in, in three years? Any chance DeSantis is completely destroyed by Trump and is is just has to go the Paul Ryan route, just collect his favors, get the get paid back for his favors in the private sector. Well, I mean, look that that would be pretty ideal. Trump just destroys DeSantis, and then Trump loses to Biden. Right. Isn't that what we want? Yeah, but I, I want more than that. I want these people destroyed. I, I think they're very dangerous. And well, uh, I've been saying Trump, Trump for firing squad. Trump for firing squad. The you say that uh, that the IQs. What is, you say the average IQ is one hundred in this country, or that's I don't know the anything me, about the median, the median IQ is one hundred. That's that's how they figure it out. Okay. So uh, so in other words, if the median is hundred, then you know there's an equal number of people who have more than hundred IQ to the people who have less than hundred IQ. You know, and once you start getting down to like around 80, which would be the average Trump voter, you can't think uh, abstractly anymore. It, uh, you don't have the capacity to think in abstracts. Right. Let's go over and that's your, what we've got. We're talking with Howie Klein. He's the founder and treasurer of the Blue America PAC, which raises money for progressive candidates around the country. Who are uh, the candidates? I understand maybe was very happy with the fundraiser we did for her. Uh, anybody? Yeah, she she did very well. Good. So let's do it. Now the thing is that maybe needs a lot. Maybe needs a lot of help. Uh, you know, she's she's running in a, a rich district with a lot of self funders. You know, there's an actor in there. Uh, there's a, a bunch of like rich people who who think you know they see wow there's a uh, an open seat I'll run. 
right. and people are willing to put up a lot of money and maybe doesn't have any money. Uh, so, so the little fundraiser that we did for her that brought in a lot of money was a really good thing, but it, she needs a lot more than that. So let's uh, do you know, another fundraiser for her. Yeah, we could do another fundraiser for her, I'm sure. And who we is could, the, who's uh, the new yeah. candidate you wanted to tell us about? Aaron Regenberg, in, uh, and that's, in, that's pretty urgent because it's, it's not for 2024, it's for this year. It's an open seat in uh, Rhode Island because... Uh, oh, Cicilline. Cicilline, right. David Cicilline is leaving, so a very strong progressive. He, he's, he, he's gone, so it's an open seat. And uh, most of the Democrats who are running, and it's a Democratic district, it's, it's not going to go Republican... And uh, most of the Democrats who are running are very corrupt, conservative Democrats. They're awful. And then uh, who's the one um, who works with Gina Raimundo, who is all of them. <laughs> they're all. They're but isn't all there one who's people. gay and not a Biden flunky? There's one who's gay and very conservative and he's really bad. Oh, OK. And he and he was a Raimundo person. OK. So who do we uh, like? Really, really is Aaron Regenberg is the guy. He was in the state legislature. He was excellent. And um, he's, uh, you know, all of his, everything in his record points to be him being a very, very good member of Congress. Uh, certainly at least, and I really mean at least as good as David Cicilline, and I like Cicilline. So uh, why don't we, we should have him on the show yeah. so he can talk yeah. to himself. Cicilline, so was big on, Cicilline was big on antitrust. I liked him. Uh, yeah, me too. Cicilline was very good. And I'll tell you something. When Cicilline ran the first time, there was someone else running to his left. So I was not a huge fan. Of I, I remember this. But, yes. once, but once he got in, he really, really was good. And, and you know what I've noticed? That a lot of people who are you know, kind of progressive-ish, when someone way to their left runs against them, they turn really. They turn into someone really good. They because they fear that that um, uh, that force from the left. Right. And 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 I've seen it again and again and again. I mean, like even in this, uh, you know, you know this guy Dan Goldman. Yes, with the prosecutor right. from New York. He's fantastic. I didn't right. vote for him. Who he did is. I want? Who I wanted somebody else. Who did I want? Um, I can't re- pronounce her name, but uh, she's a, uh, an Asian woman. Because he's like a multi-billionaire and he's kind of a yeah, neo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But we need yeah. him prosecuting but the Republicans with Jamie Raskin. Not just that, but he, he's also voting great. He's, he's really, he turned, he turned into someone really good. He realizes that district, uh, you know, could turn on him on a dime. He was lucky because he didn't get a majority. He was lucky because there were so many candidates. Uh, and if he's not progressive, they'll kick him out. So he's, he is, he's being very, very progressive. He's an excellent, although, you know what? He's sometimes excellent. He's usually excellent. I This weekend, he was on one of the Talking head shows, and I noticed that the Republican who was on the show, Jim Jordan, was really talking right to the, you know, right to that 100 IQ uh, person, mm-hmm. right? Right to the, whereas uh, Goldman was talking over the heads of most people saying things that he could say when he's talking to his colleagues in Congress or talking to a, to a, a, a university audience or something like that, but it doesn't, it didn't work on, uh, uh, I don't know, what show is that again? Oh, I know state of the union on CNN. He was on <clears throat> state of the union and I thought he talked over the heads of too many people, but in Congress, he's great. 
Yeah. When he when he debates, he's one of the better ones. He's, yes, absolutely. Before you go, you said something just now that's really important. And this is why you have to donate to candidates, even if they're not going to win. You you just said that Ciceline out of Rose, Rhode Island. I remember this. You were not a fan of his, but because right. you supported, you personally ran a candidate to the left of him in the Democratic Party. He is now frightened of the left and bends towards the left. So you don't necessarily have to win these elections. The candidates we support don't necessarily have to win. We're, it, sometimes, they do, they do, sometimes they do win, by the way. Right, right. I mean, I didn't think that AOC was going to win. I, th- I thought that was absurd. Right. But we supported her anyway, and she did win. And had she not won the uh, bag man, uh, Crowley, was that his name? Yes, Joe Crowley. Uh, he would never have bent to the left, right? There's nothing. He, right. He, there's some people who are, are incapable of it. What, what do we have to look forward to tomorrow over down with tyranny, but what's that's the big story. Oh, you know, I write them and I forget them, but I can tell you in a second by pulling up the scheduled stories and um, which is what, what I'm doing right now. It sometimes take takes a minute, uh, but here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. So tonight I've got one uh, asking if Putin is going to suffer the same fate as Nicholas II, mm. um, which I have fun writing. Uh, then I start the day off tomorrow with a story about Clay Higgins, who is the most um, sort of violent of Congress. He's, yes. a, he's a Louisiana congressman. He's a three percenter and an oath keeper and was giving kind of secret information, you know, coded information on Twitter about how his followers should um, take, I don't know, take bridges or something to yes. hold, hold the bridges. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's something, a racist out of Louisiana who uh, married several times. And as you just said, he's openly admitted four 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 times, times, uh, openly admitted to being a three percenter. And Andy Biggs and Andy. Proud of it. Yeah. And Andy Biggs is at it again, saying this is war. Eye for an eye. Same guy who had come uh, asked for a pardon uh, for for January 6th. But but Andy Biggs doesn't hit people. Clay, Clay Higgins is a physical uh, a guy who who actually beat up a uh, uh, a protester while he was a congressman. So right. he, he he's something else. So I have a story about him, and then uh, then I do one. You, you I'm sure you do remember when Trump, both Trump and Ivanka, said before Trump was in in office that Trump would only hire the very best people. <laughs> so then I so I have a story about all the names that he call has called all the members of his cabinet after he fired them or they quit. Well, they, actually, most of them quit. And, uh, you know, just calling them horrible names, <laughs> horrible names. <laughs> he called and, Bar, he called Barr a, uh, a pig, right? A disgusting pig. A disgusting pig. All right. There's one question my listeners want me to ask you. Oh, OK. Is Ivana Trump's grave going to be exhumed? <laughs> You've heard these rumors, right? Just from you. That that he buried her along with the uh, some classified documents. Possible. I, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> but but uh, I don't think that they're going to resume her grave. But who knows? Who knows? 
you think it's like, you know, whoever would have thought that we would have a president like this monster we have? <laughs> oh, no, had a president. Listen, the, the current guy is not as bad, sort of. The current guy is just like a, like all the, all the same as all of the other uh, Democratic and Republican congressmen that we've had since, right. my, since I began on this earth. Just another mediocrity who wound up being president of the United States. Right. Shame. Howie Klein, I love you. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's Howie Klein from Down With Tyranny. Read him every day over at Down With Tyranny and give to his candidates. Blue America PAC gives to all the great progressive candidates who are running. That's it. If you enjoyed this episode of The David Feldman Show and found it informative, please share it with a friend. (laughs) 